Hey guys, welcome to the Tales of Moxie podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Lee, and I'm so glad that you're here. I created this podcast with the simple desire of wanting women to have a place to share their stories. Our stories are so powerful, and God's fingerprints are evident throughout them all. So each week, I sit down with another woman who is brave enough to share her story with us. We talk all the things with no judgment. While each story is unique to the person telling it, I find that I see myself in all of them, and I'm sure that you will too. Welcome back to season two of Tales of Moxie. This episode, I got to interview Shannon Guerin. Shannon Guerin is a wife, mother, and beloved daughter of God. She's also the founder of the Fiercely His movement online. Several years into her marriage, she found herself in the midst of an affair. She thought it would never happen to her, that she would never cheat on her husband. Yet there she was, faced with what she was sure would be the loss of her marriage and family. But that was not the story that God had for her. This story is about redemption, second chances, and finding her real identity in Christ. Listen in to Shannon bravely telling her story. Hi, Shannon. Welcome to Tales of Moxie. I am so excited to talk with you this morning. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Thank you for making the time. I was acquainted with your story actually through listening to another podcast, and I just knew that we had to have you on. Cool. You have such an amazing story, and I am so excited to be able to jump into that. So if you don't mind maybe letting our listeners get to know you a little bit and telling us just a little bit about yourself, and then we'll jump into your story. Sure. So, well, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Um, I'm married to John, and we've been married for almost 28 years. Um, and then I'm a mom of two daughters. My oldest is Alex and she's getting ready to be 21. And my youngest is Avery and she is 18. She's a senior in high school. So I am almost, or we were almost empty nesters. So that'll be fun. Um, (laughs) but so, so, and, and we're living in Colorado right now. I'm originally from Oklahoma. So if you hear an accent, it's an Oklahoman accent. I'm a total Okie. (laughs) Um, so I'm an Oklahoma live Oklahoma girl living in Colorado, which are two completely the end of the spectrum. Um, but I love it here and, um, yeah, so I, you know, that's, that's just a little bit about me. I have a blog and I have a ministry called fiercely his and, um, yeah, so that's me. Awesome. And I I want to make sure that we talk about fiercely his before our time is over. Um, but before we get to that, I would love to hear your story and kind of um, one of the main things that I've heard is your redemptive story of your marriage. And if you don't mind, maybe just sharing that story with us a little bit and, and wherever you want to start and then we'll just talk about it as it goes. Well, it's a long story. You know, God's stories are never just short. They're always long. Right. So I'll just give you a condensed version. And so like I told you before, we, um, We've been married for 28 years. We will celebrate 28 years this June. And today we are so happy and whole. And um, our marriage really is a miracle. Um, But Satan did try to defeat us. And so about 10 years ago, um, we were in Oklahoma. And my husband got a job promotion. And we moved to Texas. And at the time, my girls were eight and six. 
And we were just excited. I mean, this was something totally new for our family. Uh, We would be moving to a different place, a new place. We would meet new people. And we just kind of saw it as an adventure and we were excited about it. And, you know, my, my, like I said, my husband had gotten a promotion and, you know, he, it was his first real big promotion of his career. And so it was a big deal and he was under a lot of stress and, you know, his company, you know, when you receive a promotion like that, they're watching you, they're watching you to see how you perform. And so he just felt the pressure of that. So he was under a lot of stress. And then, you know, the home we bought um, needed renovations. And so I kind of um, was over the renovations because I wasn't working. And that was very stressful for me. Um, It's just, you know, it's, there are so many things that you have to do when you move to a different state that you don't think about, like getting a new doctor and getting a new dentist and just all the things. And it just was very stressful. You know, our marriage, obviously when infidelity strikes a marriage, there's something wrong with the marriage. But if I were just to be completely real and honest with you, our marriage was fine. Um, We were coasting. We were just in a busy season, you know, Mm. Um, and Satan got in. He slivered in and I started an emotional affair with another man and it quickly led to a physical affair. And, um, you know, I, I, the enemy attacked me, you know, I always say that sin twists you and turns you into someone that you are not. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened to me. My guard was down and, um, I just fell into sin and, I, you know, I had every intention on leaving my family. You know, I thought that, that this person was my soulmate. I, I thought that this was the one I thought that I had, that I had married the wrong person. And, and so, you know, luckily God intervened and, um, you know, my husband, when, when I confessed, he was, very upset and angry with me. Of course, it's, this is a hard thing for any marriage to go through. You know, when you wrong him, when you, when you do something that, that just hurts him, he's just done with you. You know, Mm -hmm. he's done. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't need you in his life anymore. And so that's what I was, I was fully intending that he would kick me out. And, and that's kind of what I was hoping he would do because I was too much of a coward to leave on my own, but he did not kick me out. He he, um, he saw me, even though he was so hurt and he was so angry and he was so, you know, just so, so, so many emotions. He was able to take on the mind of Christ and love me when I didn't deserve love. And he didn't kick me out. In fact, he showed me grace. Mm -hmm. And I learned through my husband who I betrayed the true love the savior has for us. You know, he showed me that he showed me Christ's love when I didn't deserve it. And so that's not to say that everything was just great. And our marriage went back to normal in two days. No, um, we, it was, you know, there were times when I didn't think we would make it, you know, and, and he even had gone to, um, he filed divorce papers and he, you know, he had every intention on divorcing me. He was going to serve me, Hmm. but God came on our scene and, and uh, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm like, God, why did you, there are so many marriages that didn't make it. Why, 
why, why are, why did our marriage make it? And I can't explain that. I just know that he did. He, he gave us a miracle and, um, and it, it was a long road for us of restoration and just trying to get past the heartbreak and all of the anger, but we, we, you know, we made it. And after about four or five years, our marriage was restored and we are literally a walking miracle that I'm so grateful for. Mm. Yeah, no, your story is so beautiful. And I love, I'm going to kind of go back to the beginning and ask, um, I love that you said that there was nothing actually wrong with your marriage that you were coasting, because I think that it's so important. Uh I think a lot of times we hear, you know, about affairs or infidelity and we think like, well, it was an awful marriage from the beginning. And that's not always true. It's sometimes. Yeah. It's just Mm -mm. sometimes we're just kind of stagnant and there's nothing actually the matter. And it's important to remember that, you know, this can happen to any of us. And and so I'm curious, um, as, as we're talking about it, I'm curious, what was your kind of relationship with God like when you moved and then you're in that, that stressful period? Where do you feel like your relationship with God was at, at that time? I think it was stagnant. You know, I, I grew up in the church. I, I've been a Christian for so long. Like, I don't even remember when I got saved. It's that I've been a Christian for that long. Mm-hmm. And I just think that my relationship with him was stagnant. And I also think that my identity, I didn't, I hadn't claimed my identity in mm-hmm. Christ. Like my identity was wrapped up in, I, ha- I was so involved with the church that we, that we went to before we moved. I was involved in everything. We were, we were involved in everything at church. You know, I was, I, 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 I prided myself on being a good wife, on being a good mom. You know, when your kids are young like that, as a mom, you so want to be a good mom to them. Yeah. And I think that, that we wrap our identities in being a mom and being a wife and being um, a volunteer at church. And if we have careers, our identity is, is, wrapped up in what we do at our, at our career, at our job. And that's not, that, that's only a part of, of, of us. We are, we are, we are identified with Christ. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have secure in that life just can fall apart. And so I just think that, that I, I wasn't secure in my identity in Christ. And I just, I, I, my guard, my guard was down. My guard, my guard was down in my marriage. And, you know, I, I was the one that said, oh, I would never have. I mean, I, I, I remember sitting at a table with some moms when I was a younger mom. And I remember saying, I would never cheat on my husband. Mm-hmm. You know, I would never do that. Yeah. But yet my guard was down and I did. So I, I think that the answer to your question is that my, my relationship with Christ was stagnant. And I wasn't secure in who I was in him. And I think that's what, what led to the downfall. Mm. And that's such a good point because we can be involved with so much ministry and we can even be, there's, there's even a difference between being in the word and, and, you know, having our devotion time or our quiet time or worship time or whatever that looks like the difference between that. And like you're saying, having my identity actually rooted in Christ to where this is now not something that I do, but someone that I am. Yes. That's so good. It's funny that you say that you 
you said you would never have an affair because I, you know, if I, as I've canceled women, that's something that I think every single woman that has had an affair has said to me is I never thought this could happen. And I find it so interesting because only the fact of it's usually the things that we think would never happen that somehow God has happened in our story. Right. And I don't know if it's just to bring us more aware of others or let that be something that now our weaknesses are what he uses for himself. But it's just so interesting that I think, you know, if we think as soon as we think that that's probably a spot that we need to relook at. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. So as you're, so as you're, you're getting into the middle of your affair and you're in the thick of it, were you still attending church at this time? Was this still something that you, you were having a relationship with God or you thought that you were having a relationship with him in? Yes. Yes. In fact, I've never been asked that question before, but I remember um, one, one of the messages at church was on secrets mm-hmm. and I was so convicted, but yet I, I had, was so blinded that I was like, well, that's just still not for me. That message isn't for me. You know, it's just not. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I was still doing all the things. I was still, we had moved. Um, so we weren't as involved in this new church, but we went like the, our, we go to church and yeah, I was, I was totally doing all the things. Yeah. It's so funny how we can do that. And, and it is, we, we can think that. And I love that when I'm hearing, hearing your story, I'm even hearing that, you know, God was still pursuing you in the midst of that. So I think it's easy to forget, yes. you know, to think that God somehow forgot us or that he didn't see it. And it's like, yes, he, he was gently kind of planting those seeds all along. So as you get to the point now that you, your husband finds out and you're ready to leave, what caused you to stay? What was that thing that you're like, actually, I'm not leaving despite feeling like this other person is the one for me and this is the life that I'm ready to have? Um, because I, I knew it wasn't right. It was like, and, and what caused me to stay was number one. Um, I had called my dad and told him what had happened and he just spoke truth to me. He, he talked to me like I was a teenager again. And he, you know, he was, he was like, Shannon, this is wrong. You know, John is a good man. Like, what are you doing? Like he totally, he was very harsh with me, but it's what I needed. You know, when we, when we do things like this, we need, or just anytime we need people in our lives that aren't afraid to speak the truth. And so my dad took a risk and he spoke truth to me and I crumbled. I was like, okay. And I just, I was just like, I was obeying him. Mm-hmm. Another thing is that my husband just showed me grace. He just, he didn't do what I thought he would do. You know, he didn't kick me out. You know, I, I believe, I don't know this, like, I don't know this, but I just believe that if he would have kicked me out, I don't think that we would be together today. I, I could be wrong. I don't know, but I, he didn't kick me out. He showed me grace and um, I just saw Christ through him. And that's, that's, that's why I stayed. That's why, that's why I, I didn't end up leaving is because of the grace that my husband showed me. I just, and I just, it was like, um, it was just like a light bulb moment for me. Like, what am I doing? Like, what, what am I doing? This is wrong. This is wrong. And so that's it. Mm. It's, it's fascinating to me that, you know, your husband, I'm sure I can only imagine was hurt and, 
and felt betrayed and was in living in his own, you know, his own pool of pain, but had that kind of yes. other world, you know, kingdom perspective of I'm going to stay and I'm going to figure this out, um, which is not easy at all. And I, I always love when people tell me, well, I've been praying that I would experience or that I would learn to love like God loves. And I always think, especially in times like this, like Mm -hmm. you don't know what you're asking for because God loves, God's love looked like being murdered for someone that didn't care. And, and it always is interesting to hear your story. I'm thinking like your husband was showing God's love, but it was full of pain and it was not easy. And it was not this idea or this picture that we have in our heads of what God's love looks like, because God's love is actually really painful. Um, What did that look like for you guys as you're moving forward? How, I mean, I'm sure listening to your story, I, I can hear the redemption, but I'm sure that this was really painful and this was not easy at all. What was that kind of period afterwards when you're like, okay, I'm going to start, we're going to try, we're going to work on this. Um, what did that look like? What was the reality of that situation? You know, um, it was heartbreaking. You know, it was a roller coaster. Um, you know, John, whenever you're the victim of infidelity, there are just so many emotions that you have to work through. And, you know, one day you're, you're doing good. And the next day, some, you think of something and then you, then you, um, all the pain comes crushing, crushing down. And so I think that's why a lot of marriages don't make it because it's just so hard to get through. Um, but we, we just committed, we just committed. We, we want to work on our marriage. We want, we, and we knew that we, we had counseling and I think counseling is of the utmost number one, one of the number one things that you have to do. Um, even if it's expensive to find a way to go to counseling, a good Christian counselor helped us. And so um, we had that and we, we had, you know, our family, we, we told our family and they knew and they were praying for us. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's super important, but the day to day, it, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was utter hell. Mm-hmm. It was just very hard, but, but we, we somehow God gave us strength and we made it and we just took each day at a time. And, you know, John had to work through the heartbreak. I had to work through the shame. Um, you know, he, whenever you're the victim of infidelity, you want to know details and you want to know you have questions. And whenever you're the betrayer, like me, I don't want to answer questions. I want to forget it. I want to move on. There's that struggle. And it's just a day to relying on God, relying on him as our source. And, um, taking it one day at a time, we just took it one day at a time and we did exactly what the counselor told us to do. We didn't, um, we, because we wanted, we wanted to, we wanted to survive. We wanted, we wanted our family. We wanted our, the legacy of our family for our kids. And, and so we just worked hard. Mm. So let's, let's talk about that piece of shame for a second, because shame is an identity. That's an identity mm-hmm. issue. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, where we, mm-hmm. I've said on here before where guilt is, I've done something wrong and some, you know, there's healthy guilt and, and sometimes there's guilt that we haven't actually done something wrong, but shame is saying that I am wrong. So that shame that you had to work through was yeah. probably so tied 
to your actual identity in Christ, I would imagine that some of this journey that you were taking your husband, taking with your husband was also a journey with Christ. And this might be when your identity work came in. What Mm -hmm. was that like? Can you explain that identity process to us? Well, um, I defined myself by my mistake. I defined myself as an adulterer. Mm. Um, And I felt like that it was mine to carry. I felt like that as a Christian, I knew better. And since I did this, then it was my price to pay and that I had to carry it. And I just want to say that I learned that from the church. Mm-hmm. I, I love church and I, uh, oh my gosh, I, I love church and we go to church. But I think as Christians, sometimes we think that other Christians need to carry their mistakes with them. And so that's how I felt. I didn't feel like I'd ever be able to do ministry again. I didn't think I'd ever be able to do anything in the church again um, because of what I did. And so God just really, you know, he, (laughs) it it just took me a while and um, leaning into him and reading his word and believing his word, you know, in Jeremiah, I think it's the first, I think it's Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter one. I'm not sure what's the verse, but it talks about how, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I set you apart. I appoint. I appointed you to be prophet to the nations. Like he knew me before I did all of that. He knew what I was going to do, and I just, I really had to just. Um, it it took a lot of 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 study and and people surrounding myself with people that loved me and saw the best in me and um, believing in me. And me finally figuring out that my identity did not lie in what I did. My identity lied in the fact that Jesus Christ died for me on the cross. You know, he died for us on the cross. He died for our sins. And when we carry the weight of the sin, it's as if he died and went through an, a hellish, torturous death for nothing. And when I finally figured that out, God, you, you sent your, you died for me. Like after everything I did, you died for, that's why he died. And so when I finally figured that out, you know, it changed everything for me. When we finally realize what Jesus did on the cross for us, you know, before this happened, I, I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand the power of the cross until after the, this, this thing that I did to my husband and to myself and to my girls. I, I, I didn't realize the power of the cross until I like experienced it like firsthand. <laughs> I experienced it. I realized, oh my gosh, he did this for me. And, um, it's just, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a fear. Like I like a, a healthy fear of the Lord. Like I, um, don't ever want to take for granted what he did for me. So, um, and I'm not going to lie and say that, Sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll think of something or I'll hear a song that, that was popular during the affair and all of that, I, I, it's like all the shame tries to come back, but I just fight it and say, no, I am, I am a daughter of the most high King and, um, I am loved. I am chosen. I am cherished. And, and that's in the past. So it's not like it doesn't try to come back. It tries to come back. I just fight it. I just fight it off. 
Mm, I love all of that because it's so true. So when I, I got divorced when I was young and after the divorce and I felt so much shame for the same reason that you're saying the church was a lot of the reason, um, you know, I don't think that they meant to be, but it, it was. And one of the right. things that I got told afterwards when I was struggling with shame so much was exactly what you're saying, the blood of Christ. And I, and you know, they said, do you believe that Jesus died for you? And I said, well, yes, because of course I do. You know, I'm told that I read that that's the first thing I learned when I was a Christian. But like you said, I hadn't experienced it. And when I really was speaking about how, how much shame I actually felt, I had a pastor tell me one time, he said, why don't you say what you're actually saying and say it to God? Tell God the blood was not enough for me. And I was stopped dead in my tracks because I thought, well, I, could, I would never say that. Mm-hmm. That's you know? good. But that's what, I, that's what I was doing, right? When I was living in that shame over and over mm-hmm. and over again. As I was, I was you know, honestly telling yes. him through my way, through my shame, I was saying the blood was not enough for me. It might have been enough for someone else or some other thing. But for this, this thing that I did, this thing that I'm going to carry with me forever, it wasn't enough. And I didn't. I was not mm-hmm. aware of the, the actual price that was paid for my sins and for my life. And I love that that's something that you now have come to experience through this trial because I hadn't experienced it before my trial either. And I wonder, you know, we read in the Bible that our trials are what really refine us and they are what mold us and they show us yeah. things like this. So I love that that's part of your story is that now your mistake didn't define you, but you were defined in Christ. So I have a question for you. One of the things that I've talked about on here before is after the miracle, like when something happens, um, how everyone else responds. Like, you know, when the guy on the mat gets healed, well, now is he expected to go get a job right away, even though he's never experienced that kind of life? Like, what is what does the life after the miracle look like? So I'm curious in your story, now that you had experienced your identity shift and you are actually living in your identity in Christ, what did after the miracle look like? Was this something that people were still, other people were still curious or leery on or something that you felt like I'm a changed person now, but I have to try to prove that to people? What, what was that like? Well, yeah, I mean... I, my in my flesh, I was like, I need to, I need to prove my worth to others. I need to, um, I need to do all these things so people will know that I'm, I'm a good person. Like I'm not a bad person. Um, I think that's natural to, to want to, to want to do that. And as far as my marriage goes, you know, there, there's a lot of, I had to, um, I had to gain back my husband's trust. And so I really worked at that. I think that's super important. Um, but for me personally, um, I, I just, I've had to, that, um, that it can happen to anybody and that Satan hates me and he hates, he hates everyone and he is out to destroy. And so I, um, I, I, I'm fully aware of that. You know, he tried to destroy me. He tried to destroy my family. And, um, I, now I, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready for battle. I, I do not, I, he, I, I'm fully aware that he is out there and that he wants to destroy me. And I am not going to let that happen because it's, I've de- been there, done that. And so I pray scripture. I, vision six, the, the putting on armor of God daily. We are to put on the armor of God every day. And so that's what I do. I am fully aware that there is someone out there that hates me and wants to destroy me. And I am not going to let that happen. And so I fight, 
I fight for my, I fight for my marriage. I fight for myself. I fight for my family, um, through God's word. And so that's, that's what, I don't know if I answered your question, but that's what I like. That's what it, that's what it looks like for me now is I am, I refuse to let the enemy inside my life again, because he he'll get in if you, if we allow him mm-hmm. and he gets in, we least expect it. And so I'm super, I'm probably sounding like I'm passionate but because I am, I'm super passionate about, um, about that. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and we need to be passionate about it because that's part of the reason I think that, um, we let things like this happen or let him in in different ways in any way of our life. Cause he always finds the thing that we're the weakest in. And I think it's because sometimes we lose that passion. So I love hearing that from you. And I'm wondering, um, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, I have not actually experienced that sort of identity shift and that knowing I'm unshakably his and that that blood was spilled for me, what would you kind of advise them or suggest for them of like first kind of steps to stepping out of the head knowledge of Christ and stepping into the heart knowledge of this is my identity? Wow. That's a great question. Um, I I just think, I just think it's through prayer and, and, studying the word. I mean, as, as cliche as that sounds, I know that sounds cliche, but it is just the truth. Like, um, knowing that God loves, like God loves us and, um, that's who we are. We're his. And, um, you know, that's, it's, it's a hard thing to, to help someone overcome, um, when they, when they have identity issues, but, it's just, it's just knowing, it's just realizing that Jesus Christ loves us so much that he died for us and we're his and he wants us to live abundantly. He doesn't want us to live in shame and fear um, and deceit. He wants us to live abundantly. And it's just when we, when we finally grasp that our world changes, everything changes. It doesn't mean that, you know, we're not going to go through stuff and we're not going to have heartache and heartbreak, but we know we know whose we are. And when we know whose we are, it just changes everything. And I, I don't know that it like, it's just spending time with him. It's just spending time in the word and spending time with him. That's how we, that's how we realize our identity. Mm. Oh, that's so good. So, and, and in my mind, I'm tying that back to um, when you're saying spend time with him, I'm thinking about how you had said your father had been the one to speak truth and had really been the one that had made you to stay in that moment. And that was only possible because of the relationship that he had built with you and the time that had been spent. Um, So I love hearing that and thinking like, that's something that we have to, you know, we have to actually put the time into our relationship with God. This isn't something that we get to feel like his beloved daughter overnight. No, this has to be something that we walk with him enough that we know and understand and feel that we are his beloved daughter. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it takes work. You know, we can't just expect for, you know, God's always with us. He'll, he'll never leave us, but we, in order for us to live abundantly, we have to spend time with him and get to know him and read his word. I mean, it's, it's just so important. Yeah, it really is. So is this kind of where your, your idea of fiercely his came from? Yeah, it did. Cause, because I, you know, my, my, my issues had so much to do with my identity. And, um, so 
so since, so since I've learned, since I've started to actually believe who I was in Christ and walk, not only believe it, but walk in that calling of being his, his daughter and his, you know, chosen daughter. Um, I just have become super, super fierce about that. And, um, realizing that the, you know, that there's an enemy out there that, that wants to destroy me and, and having my guard up to him and, um, walking abundantly in Christ and, and I'm fierce about it. And that's why I called it fiercely his, because we are his, that is just, you know, he fought and died for us. You know, he, he fought a fierce death and, and, and died for us. And so, um, therefore I'm fiercely his. And so I, that's what I named our ministry. And, um, because of that, because of our identity in Christ, it's just so important. And so, yeah, so I'm super passionate about that. I think I'm talking in rabbit, rabbit circles, but I just am passionate about that. No, not at all. I, it's, it doesn't seem like that. I'm enjoying every, everything that you're saying and I'm hoping, and I know that it will resonate with so many. Um, for those listeners that maybe want to, I guess, stop striving and stop trying to accomplish their worth. Um, we talked about getting in the word yes. and praying, um, but is there anything else that we can kind of encourage them in that you might say, this was really helpful to me in doing that, um, in kind of taking that journey of, I'm, I'm not defined by what I've done, but I'm defined by what he's done. Was there anything else that you maybe think would be helpful? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, Satan loves for things to be kept in the dark. And for me, a really huge step was me for me was just talking, finding mentors and talking with people that I trusted about, about what I had done. Um, because like I said, Satan wants everything to be kept in the dark, but when it's come to light, God just moves. And so I just want to encourage your listeners that, um, talk to somebody, um, you share your heart with somebody, you know, when we bring things out in the open, things change. And so that was huge for me. Um, you know, letting people speak into my life, letting, um, um, ministers. And like I said, we had a counselor, just letting them speak into my life, reminding me that I was loved. And I, I just, for your, for your listeners, um, maybe they're not walking through um, mistakes that they've made. Maybe they just carry shame from, something that's happened to them or, um, what, whatever we all carry shame. Some of us carry shame for what, you know, for different reasons. I just want you to know that you're loved, you're loved and you're chosen and you're cherished and, um, you know, link arms with link arms with others. When we link arms with other women, it's like, um, God, like other God filled women. I just think that things change. And so, um, I think that was a a huge thing that I did was just kind of being authentic and real about my struggles. I think that's so important um, that we're real with our struggles. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that is an, in community is such a big part of that. You know, we're, I say often we are, you know, we serve a triune God and that's not an accident. Um, so I, it's important to be involved yeah. in community in different ways. So now 
that you, you know, you guys have gotten through that and you're living in your identity and your guys' marriage is as strong as it's ever been. Uh, what is this like to share this journey with so many other people? You know, I, I won't lie. Sometimes it's hard, you know, um, kind of just bearing my, all of my, my mistakes to the world. When God told me to share this story, I thought, I, I was like, no, I'm not sharing this, <laughs> but I, but I did. So that's a, that's a whole nother story, but I just obeyed him. And, um, the things that, that have happened in my life since I've just shared my story and the things that I've seen happen in others' lives is just so amazing. And, um, it's still hard. Like it's hard for me to share, you know, but I just, I know that Christ has redeemed our story and, um, and that he does miracles, you know, he's done things that I don't even know about from, for somebody that's heard my story. And so that's what I hang on to. I hang on to the fact that it's all for him. And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's hard, but, um, I'm, I'm grateful because even though it was, it's been a hard journey and I hate the choices that I've made. I'm so grateful for where we are today. I'm so grateful for our journey because we wouldn't be where we are today if, if it wasn't for our past. And so um, that's what I remember. I remember the, the fact that Christ had done so much for me and me sharing my story with somebody and, and, and um, taking the risk that they may judge me or think bad thoughts about me is worth it because of what Christ did for me. And I want to just tell as many people, people as will listen that, you know, there is redemption and, there's so much love. Christ has so much love for us and uh, we can be, we're new, we're new creatures, you know? And so, and so, yeah, I'm super passionate about that. Yeah. And, and only someone whose identity is in him would be able to share that story the way that you do, because that's the first indicator of, you know, you're not living in the shadows and you're not, you're full on saying I did this. And that's, that's so yeah. evident of that that's not your identity anymore. So that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Well, thank you. Like I said before, I'm honored just to be with you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm wondering where can people find you and where can they get, you know, more connected with you or be a part of the mission that you're on to be fiercely his, if they want to find out more about how to live in their identity. I know that that's something that you would do a lot of. So how can they find you? Um, you can go to my website. I'm shannongarin.com. I'm also on Instagram at shannongarin. And I'm, I hang out on Facebook a lot. I have a Facebook page. And so I would love to connect with, with your readers. And, um, you know, we, we're building a movement of women that just aren't afraid um, to fight and that want to rise up through their circumstances and be women that God has called them to be. And so I would, you know, I would love, I would love for your listeners to find me and, and let's connect. Yeah. And I will put all of that in the show notes and I encourage everyone to find her and connect too, because I love the, I love the mission that you're on and I love the work that you're doing and I'm so grateful for it. And I'm grateful for you taking the time for us today. Well, thank you. I, again, it was an honor. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want quotes from each episode or want to find and reach out to the awesome people interviewed, please find us on Instagram under at Tales of Moxie and follow us for all the details and for info on who will be on the show in the weeks to come. 
As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at talesofmoxie at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.